You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 149, the Toxic Mold Podcast Spring Checklist. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Steve, we are back at the spring checklist already. Yep, we just changed our clocks last night, so the whole daylight savings time, which seems to always be a different time every year and messes with our sleep schedules, the dogs, you know, when they get fed or let out, it kind of messes everything up, but we're at that time of the year. We are, and so it's time for everybody, well, not living in Wyoming to get ready for spring because we're still in winter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what, why is the spring checklist important? Let's start there. Well, we cover a lot of things on that spring checklist that aren't just catered to mold. So there's just a lot of important things just to prevent mold, but also safety concerns, you know, such as smoke detectors, things like that. So it's it's really important just as a maintenance concern so that people aren't going to spend thousands of dollars, whether it's a foundation cracking issue that's a structural concern or whether it's a mold concern, smoke detector that doesn't go off and you have a fire. So a lot of it's just preventative stuff. And our listeners know we do. We always do a spring checklist and a fall and it's pretty much similar, but obviously we, you know, just ad lib it and talk about whatever comes to your mind. Absolutely. And I always like to find out how long does it take if somebody's actually going to listen to this and do their own spring checklist, how long on average will it take them to do it? I think a lot of it depends on the person. If it was me, it'd probably take an hour and a half. If it's some people that aren't um, as thorough, it would probably only take a half hour. It all depends on the person, I guess. I mean, you should find that hour and a half. I know we just lost an hour, but you should be able to find an hour and a half to to maintain your a healthy home. 
So one to two hours probably for most yes. people. Yes. Right? And, you know, a flashlight and a ladder for the most part, you could get it done. Okay. So where should somebody begin? They've got their flashlight. They've got their ladder. What's the first thing they do in the spring checklist? So I walk our listeners through the same way we would do a home inspection or mold inspection just for reasons that I've always done it this way and it's easier to know what to look for. But we always start with the exterior. And the reason we do that is, is let's just say, you know, we start up on the roof and shingles are missing. Well, I know, which this isn't in the spring checklist. This is more inspection stuff. But if you're up on your roof and you see shingles are missing, that tells me you need to go look in the attic below those missing shingles to see, you know, if there's moisture intrusion, if it's a grading issue on the exterior or foundation crack. Those are indicators for you to, to further investigate something inside, if that makes sense. Okay, so they're starting on the outside, which... Could lead to problems on the inside, basically. Correct. Okay. It gives them, like I said, it's an indicator, you know, for them to pay more attention to what's going on in the areas adjacent to that defect on the inside of the home. Okay. Makes sense. So then, yeah, it makes it makes total sense. So if they're starting on the outside, what do they look at first? I, like I said, I'd get up on the roof, and for our listeners that have two stories, and it's a long ways up there, and they're not as comfortable being on a roof as I am. You know, they can use binoculars. Um, and if they feel comfortable enough, at least get your extension ladder up there and crawl up to the gutters or to the eaves and look from there. But uh, make sure you, you check the roof. You're looking for, you know, if you have a chimney, you want to make sure there's no cracks in the brick. Um, I'm not going to go into details on a chimney and, and termination caps and all that, but for the roof, make sure there's no debris up there. Check for missing shingles. Make sure all your gutters look good. Um, things like that. So I think most people have, what is it? I don't know what the material is of, of their roof, but whether it's metal or it's, it looks like tar, asphalt. Asphalt shingles. Asphalt yeah. shingles. Architectural shingles. People call it. All kinds of right. things. But can you equally stand on, um, we were just watching a movie on Netflix in another country where they had the tie... Not tile. What is it? Almost looked like clay, but it was a yeah, red it was roof. tile. It, oh, tile, like we have in the south. Is here. it safe to build? If you have a, if, I wouldn't walk okay, on okay, a tile. Okay, right, okay. No, okay. you can if you know how to do it properly. Okay, um, but I wouldn't. Um, you know, for our listeners, even for me as an inspector, um, anything steeper than a six twelve pitch. So once you get up to six twelve, obviously seven, eight, nine, ten makes it steeper. Anything over a six twelve, I would not get up on. Okay. If they have, like, wood shakes, which hopefully most of our listeners don't because they're very problematic, but a wood shake roof, um, you know, once they get weathered, the the shakes start curling. And so when they start walking on those, they'll crack. And um, so that that is something that, for our listeners, that is a good thing to bring up is the material that's on the roof would dictate whether you're going to be walking around on it or not. So if somebody has that more... Uh, I I tend to call it Spanish Mediterranean yeah, ceramic style, tile ceramic tile roof. Then should they just use binoculars? Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then it. I would imagine most of our listeners probably are going to use binoculars no matter what. Okay. So for all our listeners, I'm not encouraging you to get on the roof because we don't want anybody to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you can see things a lot better if you get up there. Now, once again, even. With binoculars, it's still a good idea to put your extension ladder and crawl up to the eaves of the roof. Yeah. Versus standing out in your yard. 
and that just it's just you'll be able to see it better. Absolutely, so. and and I think that's important. Just for if somebody's going to hire uh, someone to do this inspection for them, it's good to know whether that person should be on the roof, whoever they hire, right, or should not be. Right, right. We I mean we usually don't plug anything till the end, but we have courses that are available that that go through the home inspection, which actually covers that kind of stuff. So in further detail. Absolutely. Okay. So you said begin with the outside. Let's start with the roof. Once they've done, they've looked at the roof, either on it or with binoculars, what do they do next in the spring checklist? So next I would do what I call a footprint or perimeter inspection. So just start at your front porch and walk around the entire home. You're going to be looking at windows, make sure they're not cracked. Look up at the fascia, the gutters, make sure there's no wood rot or paint pilling. Check the grating to make sure it's sloping away from the home properly. Um, so we are in the spring. In the fall, we would unhook the hose bibs. Um, spring, hopefully, well, we know here, we're still not hooking up hoses. We don't really do that till what, July? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, be looking for defects in the hard surfaces. So when we say hard surfaces, you know, that's brick, grout, your sidewalks that are concrete, um, pavers, foundation, be looking at those for cracks and things that are, you know, what I would call abnormal. And when I say abnormal, if there was a foundation crack you saw last year in the fall, hopefully you took a picture of it and you have a diary and just, you can look at the picture you took last year and you can go, yep, that crack is the same. It hasn't gotten any bigger, you know, stuff like that. But the hard surfaces, which, you know, is the footprint of your home are very important, like the foundation. Absolutely. So they look at all the, the hard surfaces. They're checking it for cracks. They're looking at everything. Then what do they do next? Uh, so while they're doing that too, obviously the sump pumps are something important. Um, sometimes, depending on the property, they're on the outside of the home, usually in a, on, on a corner. Um, sometimes they're in a crawl space. Sometimes they're in a basement. So if you have any sump pumps, uh, make sure you test them, meaning you get a five-gallon bucket or your hose, however you want to get water to it dump water into that sump pit, make sure that that sump pump kicks on and it's working. Because, you know, we're coming into, not not here, but most people, most of our listeners, things, <laughs> most of our listeners know, we, we almost had spring for a little while. It got pretty warm. Now it's cold again and we're getting snow and everything else. But we're coming into the thaw part of the season. And if that sump pump is not working, that water is going to have to go somewhere and it's probably going to end up in your basement or in your crawl space. So make sure if you have sump pumps that you're checking those. And while you're checking that, make sure it's discharging away from the house. Absolutely. And for people who are listening who have no clue what a sump pump is, what is a sump pump? pump? Uh, so a sump pump is going to be in a sump pit. It's a pump. You can call it a transfer pump, whatever terminology you want to use. But it's a it's in a pit that it's designed for water to accumulate inside that pit. Once it hits a certain level, that pump kicks on and it pumps the water away. So that's how you'll deal with, you know, groundwater issues, um, a foundation drain tile system. That's where it usually goes to is a sump pit, which the sump pump is in there. Okay. So its whole thing is to gather uh, water or whatever and push it away yeah, from the house. The pump itself transfers the water from point A to point B. Okay. And point A is typically by the house or in the crawl space. Point B is the termination point, which meaning the water, <clears throat> excuse me, the water can't come back into the home and affect it or cause a moisture intrusion event. Got it. Okay. So that's helpful for people who don't know. What do you go to next after the sump pump? 
Uh, so the sub pump, we're talking about the exterior. So then you'll jump into the interior of the home for the most part. Uh, people can start wherever they want. Um, you know, typically when I was doing inspections, I would go to the garage first. Um, you know, check, test your garage overhead doors and make sure they're working properly. Test those sensors. That's it, it, the anti-reverse sensors, <clears throat> which you know what that is. That's mm-hmm. the laser that shoots across. Close your door, put your foot in front of that sensor, make sure it comes back up. Um, in the garage, you can just look for cracking once again. Um, and then when you jump into the interior, we, we typically start with the mechanical stuff. So furnace, water heater, things like that. Just check these areas. This isn't a, an, a home inspection per se. This is more just a checklist. Um, so I'm going into probably a lot more detail than most of our listeners would do. But check areas like your water heater. Check around it. Make sure nothing's leaking. Check all your plumbing fixtures. So that would be kitchen, bathrooms, laundry areas. Make sure when I say check, look underneath those fixtures underneath the cabinets or in the cabinet underneath the sinks or whatever. Check and make sure there's no moisture intrusion there. Um, and then it reminds me, we just had an incident with a toilet here. And you can probably explain to our listeners a little bit, and I'll go into whatever details. Well, the toilet was making a weird noise. It kept acting like it was in the flushing stage, but never coming out of it, right? Yep. So then... The water kept running. Exactly. So then you looked at it. Yes. <laughs> First thing I noticed, there was water on the floor. Yeah, which is not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so what happened, so for our listeners to know, obviously I shut the water valve off. Luckily, we caught it quickly. Um, but I pulled the top of the tank off, and... So for our listeners, most of them know this, you have a fill hose. So it's just a little hose that comes from the main water below the tank. And then it goes down into the fill tube. Well, that hose wasn't attached. So there was this little tiny hose that was just spraying water. And what was happening is it was shooting water to the top of the lid. And then it was shooting it down the side of the tank and falling all over the floor. And it normally I wouldn't have brought that up in the spring checklist. But as soon as we caught that the other day... I it's like, yeah, I need to add that to the checklist. And so it could have been something that could have been a lot worse. But luckily, I know a good mold guy. Exactly. We figured that part out. Yeah, but that's something that, you know, you don't really think about. No. And, and there are instances like that. You you don't think about it. You don't know it. It it, it wasn't that I was, it was neglect on our part. It, sh- it was just something that happened, a defect. And if we wouldn't have addressed it in a you know timely manner, we would there there would have been a mold issue. Absolutely. And how long does it take for mold to start growing? What is it? Forty eight hours. Yep. Yep. If the humidity is above sixty percent. And when you take hot showers, humidity is typically yeah. above sixty percent. Yeah, we talk about those all the time when we talk about ventilation in bathrooms. So you know, and speaking of that, you know, test the fans. Make sure you know if you hear any weird sounds from the fan. Um, you know it. Those fans, you have to pull those covers down and you have to clean it because a bunch of dust accumulates in it. Sometimes you have to spray a little WD-40 on the fan motor and whatnot. But, you know, check all that kind of stuff. Look for cracks in the walls because, once again, our listeners should know this. All cracks, obviously, would indicate some sort of movement. And typically that's caused by moisture. So, you know, look for cracking, you know, on the walls, in the tiles, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And so what about things like ceiling fans, air conditioners, heaters? You can check all those, but as far as the spring checklist, um, you know, just like your furnace, make sure 
you know, you kick it on and you look and make sure the condensate pipe's not plugged up. Um, make sure you don't see any rust anywhere that would indicate moisture concerns. Um, ceiling fans, it's that time of year or getting close to, not for us, but um, we I don't think we've really talked about it, but you know what I do every spring and fall, or what do I do with our fans? That's a good question. Oh, you turn them the other way. That's yeah. right, because one way makes the heat rise, and the other way yep. pushes it down. Yeah, so in the wintertime, what you're trying to do is you're trying to push the air back down, mm -hmm. because obviously heat rises, so you want to keep that air down in the living space, whereas in the summertime, you want to pull the hot air up. Yeah. So it goes up into the ceiling and up into the attic area. And that a lot of people don't do that, but you know how I am. I'm just kind of weird that way. <laughs> like I could just tell, you know, hey, the fans turn the wrong way. And so I do that every spring and fall. Absolutely. Okay. What else should they be doing in the spring checklist? So the like the every time we think of daylight savings times, and, and we've talked about this before, the spring checklist is a lot easier if you associate it with a certain date. Mm -hmm. If you have a birthday or an anniversary or whatever around this time, it's easy to associate that. Well, the easiest way for me, in my opinion, to associate with spring and fall checklist is daylight savings time. Okay. So whenever you turn your clocks back, one of the main things you have to do is change out all the batteries in your smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors. Okay. And for me, um, we test them. And what, what do I do? How do I test it? Oh, liquid smoke. Yep. Right? yep. So I have a little can. And for our listeners, if you push the button on the smoke detector, you're overriding the sensor. So you're making the audible alarm go off. Okay. Whereas I use liquid smoke, which our listeners probably won't have, um, but they can just take a match or candle, a match, you know, light it, then blow it out, but do it right by the, the smoke detector or candle and see if it goes off. And that's how you test it. And okay. even if it's not beeping, change the batteries out. And that's every fall and spring, Yes, right? every okay. six months. Okay. And most people don't. We wait till it starts beeping in the middle of the night. It's annoying. <laughs> it doesn't really beep. It chirps at you every, I don't know how long. So often. Yep. So that's the, so spring checklist, exterior, interior, anything else they should be doing? The environmental stuff, uh, you know, things, obviously, what we specialize in mold. Check for mold while you're doing all your walkthrough checklist stuff. Um, other concerns for our listeners, uh, we've talked about radon. We have episodes about radon. Just think about doing a radon test. Um, check for termites, stuff like that, pest in intrusion, so mice, things like that. Um, just like I said, you don't have to do an inspection, but if you, or what would it be, enroll in one of our courses, it's what, $30? Pretty cheap. Yeah. You can, I go through a full inspection, which you can check for, but keep in mind, obviously, the main thing is mold. Make sure your air quality is not compromised. Absolutely. Wow. What's your call to action for people? So, what we just talked about, just do a quick inspection. And if there's one thing I would say to do that's probably one of the most important is the batteries in your smoke detectors. Change those out. Absolutely. There you have it. And if they're not, signed up for your mold fact sheet or the mold investigation checklist, go to cnccontractorservices.com and sign up. Exactly. There you go. We'll catch you in the next episode. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com 
forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.